everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from the Winnipeg Free Press. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after the Winnipeg Jets. I know it's been broken up, but fourth straight loss now for the Winnipeg Jets. Time to ring the alarm bells. Some people in the chat room are doing that already, but that's what happens in the chat room. Sometimes after just one loss, uh, that will happen in the chat room. Um, I don't want to diminish the idea of people doing exactly that to me this is uh you know once upon a time during this season we would talk about the winnipeg jets losing games and most of the time we would say you know i kind of think they were the better team in that game uh uh, you know, they deserved a better fate or, you know, it was a pretty close game. Could have gone either way. Hey, maybe they score a game here or score a goal here. And it's an entirely different game. That's not what I saw tonight. Uh, I didn't see a very inspired effort from the Winnipeg Jets. There's a bunch of reasons to point to this, that, that there could be problems. Sean Monahan, you know, playing his first game, trying to fit in with his new team. Mark Shifley coming back off injury. Kyle Connor injured as long as he was, not able to get his feet back from him, uh, back underneath him. Connor Hellebuck starts this game when a number of other all-star goaltenders did not start on this night. So maybe he's tied. There, there, there's a, a bunch of excuses if you want to have those excuses. And, and you know how I feel about getting into the excuse territory. But I will say there are reasons... Uh, to try and explain what's happening. That's our job on this show is to try and explain what we're seeing, what's happening. So I, I wouldn't exactly take this game and, and you know, put all my chips on it and try and make a decision about the Winnipeg Jets based on this game. But what I will say is I think the best thing to do is to start looking at and establishing patterns. And as far as I'm concerned, you go back. I go back to the last time this Winnipeg Jets team looked like the team that led the charge up to first place in the NHL at one point that looked absolutely dominant, uh, that looked like it was impossible to get scored on uh, most nights. Um, the last time I saw that team was a game against uh, the Arizona Coyotes in early January. Now, there's going to be a lot of doomsayers out there who say this aligns exactly around the timing that the Jets had a precipitous fall last year, and those doomsayers would be entirely right in in saying that. Um, because the, the Winnipeg Jets were, I think it was around the 15th of January. This would have actually started a little bit earlier here. But I have been saying now, and, and this is one of these things to me, it feels like it hasn't been as long as the last time this happened with the Jets last year, where I, I felt like I was kind of, not, uh, what's the term, uh, not crying wolf. Uh, it's the opposite of that. I, I think I was saying last year around the turn of the new year that the Jets, the way they were carrying on was problematic and the you know the floor was going to fall out from underneath them. But I do remember distinctly saying for a long time on this show, a, a little bit after those games, that I thought the Winnipeg Jets were getting away from the effort level. I didn't think that they were necessarily getting away from their game plan, from their structure, from their defense uh, that they were playing. Um, but I thought they were getting away from their effort level. And the effort that this team had shown this year was a massive, massive part of their identity and who they are. I don't think they've regained that. I thought at the time it was a dangerous thing. 
uh, for them to be, you know, letting that go. But I also concede that, you know, in the middle of an NHL season, in the middle of the grind, it is hard to grind for 82 straight games in a season. I think the Winnipeg Jets know what they have to do. I think they've established the kind of game they have to play. They're not playing anywhere near it right now. I think that they would admit that. The one thing that concerned me a little bit on this night is for a good chunk of this game, that structure that we talk about as being the superpower for the Winnipeg Jets that keeps them in every game for the most part we've seen for this season. Uh, I guess every game for the most part is, is not a good way to say that, that for the most part has kept them in games this season. I didn't see it tonight. Uh, the first goal of the game is a defenseman walking right down Broadway, right down the middle and getting a shot from a prime scoring area. Um, that's not something you've seen a lot from the Winnipeg Jets. And I know it's a power play, power play goals after that, but goals coming from in tight um, players unaccosted in areas where the Jets usually are, are contesting uh, the, the goals that come from those areas. I, I talked about this on the show. Uh, I don't know what the stats would say now. We haven't checked in with those stats in some time, but not too long ago, Connor Hellebuck had an average shot that he faced this season of 37 feet out. This is what it looks like when you get to, when you allow shots from closer in. Okay. This is my entire point about what this team has looked like and how good they've looked so far is a yes. Connor Hellebuck and, and his backup Lauren Brassois have been playing phenomenal hockey, but they've also been playing behind a phenomenal defense that has lightened the load to an immense degree for them so far this season. That's not what I saw tonight. So for me, uh, again, coming off the break, I don't think it's the biggest deal, but this is to me, the first time I'm kind of seeing cracks in the armor when it comes to the structure of this team. And I'm not surprised that the Jets were out of this game for the most part uh, when they do score that goal and it gets turned around. I believe Kevin Sawyer described it as it would be a dagger if the goal was taken back. I felt that way. That's not the kind of language we've used with the Winnipeg Jets so far this season because they're rarely out of games. It's rarely that you're saying with 12, 10 minutes left in the game, 13 minutes that, you know, they probably aren't going to come back if it's the case because because they've kept themselves so close. So uh, I don't think it's time to panic, but I'll tell you this right now, if they go into Philly and their defense looks as susceptible inside as it did here tonight, if their effort looks like what we've seen, and of course what we'll get to is this team's inability to score and really on this night inability to create very much in the way of dangerous-looking scoring opportunities. Hey, coaches will tell you, I'm not worried uh, when we don't score, I'm worried when the uh, opportunities dry up. Well, the opportunities look pretty dried up to me here tonight, uh, which I think is a problem that the Winnipeg Jets really have to get into. I've got a couple of things that I think could help and a couple of things I think the Jets have done that have put themselves in this situation. We'll get to it. But first, we want to get the man with the best music in the business in here and get his take on the whole thing here tonight. So here he comes, everybody. At long last, here comes Kenny.
Ken, neither you and I are looking much like Vittorio men, but I couldn't help but have this going through my head. I'm down here uh, and I'm vacationing at the moment. You just got back from yours. And I kept thinking, what I need is one of those like Southern dandy suits from Vittorio Rossi where you walk around the beach and you're all dressed up and maybe I could grow a mustache that I twist and a little soul patch or something like that. Uh, if you wanted something like that, I bet you they could get, Frankie and the boys could get that for you down on court. Now, you'd look a little silly walking around in something like that in the weather that we're seeing back home but uh hey why not give it a try because they can do any kind of look you want down there so that's what you need to do head on down to vittorio rossi on cordon avenue tell them kenny and rennie sent you ask for frankie and the boys and they will do you up right ken uh i i hope your energy level is better than mine i'm too much in a relaxation <laughs> mode i need to like bring things up here a bit you're back into the cold into the fire there uh what did you see cold. in that game tonight it's not cold, first and foremost. Thanks no? for taking some what time is it? from Grand. It's like it was two degrees today. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there compared to Mexico and Grand Cayman, it's cold, yes. But, yeah, uh, yeah, no, great vacation. Great to be back with you, my friend. I mean, I know it's uh, – I used a lot of uh, SPF 30 and 60 on the trip. I uh, got a little color, no burn. I was happy to know. Uh, good stuff all around. Um, jets were flat, a little bit flat in the game. I, I You know, this is – I'm very curious to see where things go from here. I I don't think that the Jets were poor today, but I don't think they were excellent. I mean, they were they were definitely mediocre. Uh, it was a very mediocre game, uh, very flat out of the gate. I thought their end of the first period looked decent, had a couple of good looks, some good chances, but uh, they, they don't look like the same team that they did in December. Now, this is the beauty of hockey. You know, the Jets lost, I think, one regulation game in December, and Jets fans were conditioned to uh, think that they were going to win every night. And right now, they're struggling to find the back of the net. It's it's just very simple. Rick Rick Bonus um, will be look will be watching Rick Bonus closely. We know there was a very distinct change in how he uh, addressed his team in the media. Um, you know, when things got a bit rocky last year. And, you know, this is the first time they've lost four games all year. Uh, you know, that is a fact. Uh, we'll see if they can snap that streak on Thursday against the Philadelphia Flyers team. That's been really good. Um, I didn't see the final in Florida. I'll get to it in a second. But uh, in terms of how the Jets played at 5-on-5, five five, Sean, they didn't give up. They certainly didn't generate much. I agree with you completely. They didn't give up much. Um, I would say that on the first goal, I mean, some people will say, why is that puck going through the middle? I mean, Josh Morrissey saw the safety valve. The safety valve was in the middle and the puck, I think, bounced over the stick of Adam Lowry. So uh, that wasn't a mistake on either party. Uh, it was just something that kind of ended up not working out. I mean, I don't think the Jets played it particularly well when Chris Letang walked in. Uh, in terms of the power play goals, the first goal hits a body in front, lands on Jeff Carter's stick and he... Um, you know, fires at home where people were expecting the puck not to be there. And the second one, great play by Crosby, but let's not kid ourselves. He fanned on the play. It goes off the end toe of his stick, uh, makes it to Gensel. Gensel shovels it across her back to our tap. So the Jets didn't play it particularly well, but um, I know a lot of the people saying, oh, the Jets penalty kill is terrible. Well, <laughs> there weren't even, I wouldn't even say those were structural breakdowns on either goal. Uh, but at the end of the day, they gave up two power play goals. So that's what people are going to look at. Um, you know, that's something the Jets need to tidy up. The Leafs took advantage of the Jets' power play the other, or the penalty kill the other night, got a couple big goals. But to me, Sean, the biggest concern 
uh, is what's happening at five on five in terms of what they're generating. Uh, some good looks, sure. Uh, I don't think it was an overly taxing night for Tristan Jari. And this is one of the uh, this is one of those moments, Sean. We talk about this all the time, and I mean, we're still making huge advancements in this area, but this to me, the high danger chances, according to Natural Stat Trick today, Sean, at five on five, you'll probably be shocked to learn they were thirteen ten for the Jets somehow, and the high danger chance rate of fifty six point five two, and their expected goals were two point two nine to two point one two. Uh, that means absolutely nothing at the end of the day, but it just seems like one of the nights were, and it wasn't that it was score effects. It was five, five in the first period. So, um, and four or three in the third. So it's not like after they sat back, you know, it, it, things kind of fell apart. Yes. In the second period, five, one for the penguins where I thought that they were outside of the first shift or two, the jets had, uh, obviously we know where the game turned around. Um, on you know obviously on the Brendan Dillon hit we're going to get to that in a minute here but um I'm curious to see where the Jets go I mean this is not a I'm, I'm with you this is not an alarm bell sounding scenario uh, it doesn't look the same to me I'm with you 100% I don't think that the Jets stylistically have changed all that much uh, we're not seeing snake charmer uh, hockey but we're also not seeing a lot of offense generated I mean nine goals in the last seven games is not enough and Rick Bonus identified that in the post-game interview with Mike McIntyre so I don't think the Jets are you know hiding from what's happening in front of them uh, at the same time they went to a situation where you know things were rolling for for them and right now they they're going to need to find a bit of a spark uh, I do think that Sean Monahan is going to be a great addition for the Winnipeg Jets. Rick Bonus did like his game. One of the one of the people that didn't look like they had a ton of rust. I mean, uh, Mark Shifley looked excellent in the game for the most part, and I don't just mean uh, you know because of the goal that was disallowed uh, by the successful coaches challenge. He was noticeable out there. The Jets have missed him a great deal, as we've discussed for the last several shows. Uh, I, I don't see this. I mean, here's. Gordy or Jordy Angus. This is a result of Bones' system. We saw it in Dallas, and it's happening again here. I, I don't. I mean, the Jets were generating offense from good defense in December when they had their best month. So yeah, that's uh, a quick. I, that's a quick turn Jordy's making there. <laughs> I, I personally don't agree with that, but I mean, time will tell, and we'll see in the last thirty-four games, and that's the beauty of it. Um, again, you can't ignore it, but at the same time, I, I don't think that um, you know. I think the Jets have a lot of pieces that they're trying to put together. Uh, I know I know our buddy Nick, Nick, Nick Lynam is saying uh, it's as simple as putting back Ehlers, Shifley, and Gabriel Velarde. I mean, that line was a, was excellent. There's, nobody is disputing that. Um, but right now, Velarde is a guy who's trying to get back up to speed after missing a couple of games. Uh, and I don't think it's as easy as just flip-flopping those guys uh, in terms of maybe Kyle Connor and... Um, Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, I would also say this. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more as we roll along here. I do think that Gabriel Velarde is a guy who could really flourish with Sean Monaghan. They, you know, they play at similar speed, I would say. Uh, And Ehlers could provide a little bit more speed. But also, too, Sean, we agree on this. And I I mean, we haven't even talked about it. Kyle Connor just hasn't been as dangerous. And again, it was going to take time um, for him to get back up to speed. And right now, after the first, we thought that that empty netter would kind of be a spark plug to get him rolling, and he hasn't been able to find it uh, since then. So, uh, 
Uh, we'll, I'll be curious to see which way they go. I don't see this uh, as the beginning of a collapse, but at the same time, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that the Jets are uh, in a bit of a funk right now in terms of results, and they're going to have to find uh, find a way to pull themselves out of it. That That's what good teams do. All good teams go through tough times. The Jets are going through their tough time, and you know now we're going to find out what the Jets are made of, and, and I think that they'll be fine. Uh, but the power play continues to be a problem for them. Um, I know you touched on it in the beginning, Sean. I mean, I, I personally think that it would have been a good good place to get Lauren, Lauren Brassois start. I think we're going to see him on Thursday against the Philadelphia Flyers. But And that's not a knock on Hellebuck. I don't think you can blame him for any of the three goals today. But I, I think that giving him a little extra breather uh, would have been helpful for him in this scenario. Um, I, I let, let's dive into this offense a little bit here and let's yeah. do the obvious here and give them the pristine roofing wake up call because it's been high time. Uh, it was just put up there that the, the Bic says, I don't know if these are entirely correct numbers. I haven't run these well, numbers, the so I'm not, I'm not going to endorse them, but only 11 goals in their last eight games, lowest goal total, goal total in the entire league in the last 12 games, no, last right, 30 seconds. Nine, nine with Chase sure. out, and then it was two Not saying it is, not Chicago. saying it's not. I'm saying I don't have time to give, uh, to give you know, the, the rankings around the league here, but clearly – the offense stinks for the Winnipeg Jets right now. And again, I listen, call me a dinosaur. You can go to a stats site all night and say they had 13 high danger chances yeah. versus 10 for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm not buying that. I didn't see 13 high danger chances from the Winnipeg Jets out there tonight. So again, the qualifications for whatever that is, I'm not buying it. I'll go with the eye test on this one tonight and say that the Winnipeg Jets Offense did not look very dangerous for the vast majority of this game, but no doubt time to give uh, th- their offense the pristine roofing wake-up call. And you know what to do. That means it's time to give North End Rick the pristine roofing wake-up call at one 6289 He's the guy you want down at your place to take a look at any roofing, siding, exterior needs you may have. If you uh, want to call pristine roofing themselves, number is one 237 Hey, I know it's plus two out there, so some of you probably have leaky roofs and stuff like that. North End Rick's the guy you want to give a phone call to. Um, I find myself agreeing with Nick Lynham a lot on stuff, except his third line take. He, like you, wanted to break up the third line uh, and is is too too cocksure, is that the word, uh, to, to back down off it when he probably should have backed down off it. But I'll say this. This makes absolutely no sense to me. I get And I don't know where this lies, Ken, but somewhere along the line, the Winnipeg Jets wanted to see Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and Gabe Velarde on a line together, right? We heard about it coming into the season. It was this big, exciting thing that they wanted to talk about. I think I heard Kevin Shevel-Dayoff talk about it, heard the head coach talk about it. And this, to me, is a case where the Winnipeg Jets, the people in charge of making these decisions, have just got something so stuck in their head that they're not staring and seeing what's working right in front of them. There was no reason to go away from Velarde and Shifley and and Nikolai Ehlers. It was working. That was working. The, Jet, the Jets had an absolutely domineering first line when those three were together. And I know what you're saying. I agree with you. Monahan seems like he's more Velarde's speed. Uh and yet, Velarde was doing just fine with Nick Ehlers and his speed on that line. And Mark Shifley was making it work. And we were having these conversations on this show about we really hadn't seen what Nick Ehlers could do 
with Mark Shifley. Nick Ehlers had said the same thing. He hadn't had an extended stay there. And this is this goes down again for me as one of these head-scratching moments where it's like the Jets found something. They found money in the wishing well. They pulled out a silver dollar and they've tossed it back in to go rooting around to see what else they could find. I get it. Kyle Connor is the best scorer on the Winnipeg Jets. He's one of the best scorers in the entire NHL. So the idea is you want to put that guy in the best possible opportunity to draw out what a best scorer does. I look at it differently. I don't think that you need to nurse along the best scorer on the team. I think this is an opportunity to throw Sean Monahan out there and be like, okay, let's we've seen what Sean Monahan has done. It's not a point per game pace, but he's put up a decent amount of points on a Montreal Canadiens team that has nowhere near the offensive talent that the Winnipeg Jets do. I'm interested in seeing what he looks like with some of the crackerjack NHL or excuse me, Winnipeg Jets talent that's out there. And I love the idea of putting Kyle Connor with him and saying, hey, welcome to this team. We've just handed you one of the best scorers in the NHL. Let's see what happens with this. Rather than saying, we know Nick Ehlers is maybe not the easiest player for other players to figure out how to play with. His speed confounds some people. He's just so fast and gets going that sometimes it takes a little while for players to kind of figure out how to play with him why are they not putting that line it's it's not like you can't get to Kyle Connor Gabe Velarde and Mark Shifley at some point but it's like somewhere along the line someone in the Jets organization went and they ripped down the back the, the blackboard and they went to the concrete wall in behind it and they chiseled in Mark Shifley Gabe Velarde and Kyle Connor and they can't move past the idea of trying to get to that line they found something here let that work let Kyle Connor go feast on second sometimes third line opponents because if you get your third line back to doing what they're supposed to do they're your second line anyway and then see what you can elicit that way and and in a team that is desperate searching for scoring the idea that they wouldn't go to the most recent thing that worked and worked extremely well baffles me at this stage. They're trying to make something work because somewhere along the line, someone thought this would be a great idea. When he was gone, Ken, Rick Bonus came came out, not when he was gone, but when Kyle Connor was gone, Rick Bonus talked about the idea of that line and they wanted to see it and they were excited to see it. To me, when you've got something that works, let it keep working until it runs its course and then try the thing that you still think works. It's not showing a lack of faith in the original idea. It's saying we've found something that works and what a bullet to have in the chamber to go to Kyle Connor, Velarde, and Mark Shifley after the fact, if this dries up at some point. But in the meantime, you get to experiment and find different places that Kyle Connor, who again is one of the best scorers in the league, can be a game breaker. And maybe that's beside a Cole Perfetti and maybe that's beside a Sean Monahan. But we're not getting to see it because the Jets need to get to this line. And it, it confounds me why they are so intent on trying to land on a place they wanted to start when they found a lot of cool stuff in between. Yeah, I mean, uh, and we got to also look at the Kyle Connor situation. I mean, even when Gabriel Velarde came back, he didn't, he started, you know, on the fourth line to sort of ease his way back. Whereas when Connor came back, he was thrust back onto the top line. I mean, I get it. 
Um, he's an established player and, and all those things. But yeah, sure. I mean, this seems fairly simple as we're trying to talk it out here, right? I mean, that line outscored its opponents 15-4. to 4. I'm guessing that, that stat is accurate. So there was no reason to step away from that. So, yeah, I'd be in favor of them trying that. I mean, if you're playing Kyle Connor with Sean Monaghan and Cole Perfetti, um, that, that makes sense to me. Um, so that's still a very good line. We know that Kyle Connor played on a line with at times with Cole Perfetti and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And that line did a lot of good things. Um, given the passing ability and vision of both Perfetti and Monaghan, I would expect that Kyle Connor would still be able to generate a ton of good looks. And once he gets back up to speed, as we expect him to do, then you can, if you want to go, put him back there. And if you want to, like I said, I, I have a feeling that Gabriel Velarde would work well with Sean Monaghan and probably Cole Perfetti. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'd be totally fine with what you said, Sean. I mean, if you're looking for offense, look to a place where they have got offense from, right? I mean, that that makes sense. Um, but to me, it, it's not just about one line uh, not generating. So I, I do agree with you, but I don't think it's as simple as that. I think right now the third line needs to go. Like I remember talking to Bruce Boudreau on the day of the trade. Uh, happened last year he said Nino is a fantastic player he goes on hot and cold streaks we hadn't seen a cold streak like this for Nino Niederreiter I think it's 13 or 14 games now without a goal and again that's not to say Niederreiter can't have an impact without scoring but a guy who is used to scoring feels better when he's scoring and I think he's only had I think three assists in that 12 game span now it's three assists in 13 so um, that's why Sean, I was suggesting maybe giving him a little bit more offense earlier on when the jets were looking for something on that second line, when Ehlers moved up to the first, but right now the third line isn't playing the, and it's not, I agree with you. It's not just the scoring of the third line. The third line needs to dominate offensively in terms of zone time and grinding the team down. We saw it a lot earlier in the year. They would do a ton of work in the O zone. They'd get a line change and then all of a sudden one of those other lines would jump over the boards and pump one in the back of the net. Um, and there too, I mean, someone said in the chat room and you highlighted it, the Jets' fourth line, really good today. And Oh, I, great. And I think that that line has the ability to have a huge impact in games. We talked about Vegas last year, Sean. Vegas has the model. They have the template. If you can roll four good lines and that fourth line can play against anybody and you can get them 10 to, 10 to 11 minutes, you can win the majority of your matchups even when they're playing against higher level competition. Um, so, but the other problem for the jets is that the fourth, when the fourth line is the best line, that means that there's three other lines that weren't rolling. Um, so the depth is going to be a big thing for them, but right now all four lines, um, you know, we've talked all year about looking the same without the puck. And right now in the offensive zone, none of the four lines have, have really got into that, feeling great and in, in the happy zone they don't seem like they're in the happy zone and it'll be interesting to see what what happens next i mean i i don't someone sent me a note earlier today i mean oh jets can't score well it's shocking that even in this stretch where the jets can't score it's three shutouts in seven games i think and four on the season they mm -hmm. went into today's 10th in the league in goals and this isn't just like piling up empty net goals i mean this is this is a team that has scored fairly easily this year. 
And then, Sean, it goes back to what we've been talking about for months. When you struggle at five on five, which you invariably do, you need your power play to pick you up. And one for 28 is not picking up the five on five offense when the offense has gone cold. Um, I want to I want to uh, talk about that third line. Uh, you touched on it. I just want to expound expunge what is it when, when you expound, and, sure. one of those words one of one of those two words <laughs> uh, i want you to give sweet lou a shout out uh before we do though and that maybe we'll play uh, uh buy and sell let's play buy and sell it's been a long time yeah we should we should for folks who are looking for realty needs they'd like to have met buying selling curious about what the house in the corner is looking for you can contact our main man lou ferlin at roll the page dynamic realty 204-791-9971 or at the office 204-989-5000 his email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this podcast for which we are grateful. And buy and sell. This is an easy one that we can both tackle, Sean. Uh, buying or selling a two-game suspension for Brendan Dillon, and then we can segue right into the reasons for, for that and what we thought about the hit. Yeah, I'm buying that. I'm buying that. I'm also buying that's the bar you're setting. I'm buying that. Okay. Well, well then we'll get into it. I'd also like to say if I'm buying in the true terms of real estate, maybe I should give sweet Lou a call (laughs) because we're staying at my aunt's place down in the Cayman islands. It's gorgeous. My wife uh, wants to move here. She cries every time we have to leave here. (laughs) So maybe sweet Lou can talk her into selling it to me. Now I don't have the money for it, but sweet Lou (laughs) works pretty good magic. So let's see what he's got up his sleeve here. But, uh, uh, when it comes to the hit, uh, to me, this is a pretty obvious thing. I don't think that for one second, uh, Brendan Dillon intended to do what he did, but he did what he did, uh, clean as you get, shoulder to the to the face. He doesn't catch anything but head on that. It's it's a disastrous hit. I don't want to be taking that hit from six foot four Brendan Dillon. If you guys have ever seen. Brendan Dillon, take a look at what his shoulders look like and what his neck looks like when he's doing his post-game interviews. Uh, this guy is an absolute beast. Uh, hits hits the player. The player, uh, Noel Achari, is, does not know where he is. Um, this is one of those situations where they put this in place uh, to protect players in the league. Um, the vast majority of headshots, I do think... Um, end up being a knee-jerk reaction thing where a guy just goes, he's got to catch a piece of a guy. If he missed everything else, but the head's hanging out there, it's your instinct to grab it. They're trying to rule that out uh, of the league. They should be ruling it out of the league. Uh, Nolachari is probably concussed after this. This is something that he could carry with him the rest of his life in this situation. Uh, Again, Brendan Dillon, I don't think for a second, the kind of guy who is going out and trying to inflict that kind of damage, but he did. Um, so whether he intended to or not, I think it comes out. The league has to make a statement. There's no place in the game for hits like this. Uh, so that's why I believe there will be at least two game suspension. Yeah, it, it's interesting. And I, I, there was a time when this was a clean hit in the Scott Stevens era. That would be fine. Uh, I don't think it was a malicious hit. Like you said, uh, I think it was quite clear that Brennan Dillon, you know, he would, this is not charging. Uh, his 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 left skate leaves the ground, but not to jump at his opponent. And yes, I realize that the impact of the hit, you see the second leg go in the air, but it, he didn't jump to make the hit. 
I don't think it was charging. Uh, it is a shoulder to the chin or in t to the face. Uh, I do think there that to a degree, I don't think that this hit is is a is an example of targeting. I don't think he was targeting the head. I think it's very clear that Noel Achari is leaned forward. He loses control of the puck. Uh, he puts himself in a vulnerable position where that's why I think a, a, a game misconduct on a major would have been fi fine. I don't see it as a match penalty personally. Um, I understand why the call is made in real time and everything else. And, you know, if you slow it down into slow motion, it looks like you could have targeted. To me, in real time, this is not targeting. Uh, unnecessary hit, some people are saying. I mean, a player is skating in the neutral zone with his head down. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, any, if you don't finish the hit, any coach is saying, what are you doing there? I, I don't think it was a necessary hit at all. But at the same time, you have to catch part of the body uh, if you're going to make that hit. I, I don't think that, I mean, I think that the player committed to the hit. Um, but I also don't think Brandon Dillon expected Noel Achari's head to go down. So uh, I don't think it was a vicious hit. I think it was a hard hit. I do think that it is going to result in a suspension. Uh, but again, this is the times are changing is what I would say. I, I do think it's a two game suspension also, but I don't know that, uh, that's the right call. But I, again, I think if, if the league wants to make all head contact an automatic major and an ejection, like some of the junior leagues have done, they should write it into the rule book that way. Uh, but right now the way the rules are, are kind of written, I, I don't think it's a dirty play, but I do think it's a bad result. Uh, and I do think that we are going to see a suspension. I mean, some people were saying, uh, we should say for the, for the, for the record, Brennan Dillon has only been suspended once. It was for slashing Madison Bowie back in 2017. So I, I don't think he will be considered a repeat offender because of the time that has elapsed since 2018. And also too, I mean, it, it's, it's not, it's apples and oranges, but, you know, some people were saying earlier that they didn't think Brandon Dillon had been suspended before. He has been once, but I, it wasn't for a dirty play. This is a guy who plays the game hard. He's an old school player. Uh, he plays the game the right way. He's not a dirty player. But, you know, the Penguins are not thrilled with Brendan Dillon. A couple of years ago, Sean, you remember the hit? He smoked uh, Teddy Bluger behind the net. I think he broke his jaw with the with a pretty mm -hmm. pretty heavy hit there. So. Uh, no love lost there. And I mean, some of that will go back to the uh, Capitals and Penguins days. Uh, that's, you know, that's a rivalry time. Uh, I'm sure that I didn't see any of the quotes, but I'm sure the Penguins weren't happy about it. And I understand that. Uh, but I, I don't see it as a dirty play, but I do think it it is a hit that the, the league is trying to get rid of. Uh, I just think that in this situation, I don't think it, it looks like targeting because the player bends forward. And part of the reason the player bends forward is because he mm. lost control of the puck. So I'm not blaming the player for getting hit either. I mean, it was just a, yeah. an unfortunate result. But yeah, yeah I, I he, mean, he needs to catch the body. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I just don't think so, it's someone, a dirty play. Someone said it in here. I, I agree. I don't think it's a dirty play. But someone said it in here. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I and it does matter if it's targeted. If he went out to try and do that, yeah, that's then a you get a five game. But in more. the end, right, right. But in the end, what 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 my take on this is like, and again, I don't think Brendan Dillon went out and intended to hurt him the way that he did there. The fact of the matter is, if all you catch is head contact, it's suspension. I just think that the league need. This is one of these things where I think the league just needs to draw the line and be like, we just can't allow this stuff to happen. This is this is brain damage unfolding out in these situations. You shouldn't be 
in a situation when you are creating brain damage for someone and everyone just kind of throws away and says, ah, but the other guy ducked or the other guy did this or the other guy did that. It it doesn't matter. If you go to throw a hit and all you catch is the head clean, clean, that's, that's suspension uh, in my mind. Um, I want to just go back and touch quickly on the third line or do you, you wrap this up because I need to go back to the third line. It's okay. I just I think we need to get to what the Jets do if there is a suspension. We'll do that after the. Third we line. we will. Um, we'll jump back to that. I just wanted to go back to the third line quickly uh, and just say to, to me, like I think one of the problems, and I go back to what happened with the first line is the Jets are in this thing now where they're now all of a sudden trying a whole bunch of different things to try and make it work. And we had the conversation about Adam Lowry going up to that first line. We had it the very first game that he went up to take Mark Shifley's place, and it was a conversation that we had about the idea that, okay, well, Mark, uh, Adam Lowry went up there, and he actually looked pretty good in that spot. He looked like he was able to set up some some nice plays and and do what he was able to do. But the problem is, as I believe it, the heartbeat of this Winnipeg Jets team is that third line. And to the point that you kind of touched on there, yes, I know they haven't scored the way that they were scoring before. But to me, the true value of that third line is those moments where they send them out in the game and they just steal all the momentum back and they just steamroll the opposition team. I think every player on that Jets bench gets a couple inches taller uh, whenever they do that. And it's that thing that Nino Niederreiter said it to me. He thinks it's that team's or that line's job to go out and show the Winnipeg Jets, their their fellow players, this is how we're supposed to play the game. And I think that that's really been one of the things that has made the Jets what they are this year. So to me, yeah, I know uh, that Nino Niederreiter is in a little bit of a dry spell. I know that line's not scoring like it has been. No one is scoring like it has been. To me, that's not a reason to break that line up and try something else. That's a reason to get back to that line and get them back to being the engine that drives this team. So it's funny because there's a lot of ways to look at this, and people may think like Nito Niederreiter is a guy who could be plucked up and provide offense elsewhere. I'm okay with the third line not scoring if they get back to doing that thing they do where they just steamroll the opposition, shut down uh, um, any momentum that the opposition has. If they can do that, this team is a lot better off. I think it results in a lot more goals uh, from other lines because of them doing it. So I just wanted to be on the record as saying, because someone had said, you know, with me talking about that, like time to break up the third line. Absolutely not. If anything, it's time to re-entrench that third line and get them back to doing what they do best, which I think is the best thing that the Winnipeg Jets have going for them and really was the thing that they had above and beyond any other team in the league for the vast majority of the time when they were making the the push to first place. Um, Let's get to what you... Rick Bonus was doing that already, I think, in in that last game against Toronto, right? I think that's why he kind of went back to them in those two games against uh, Toronto. And Let's talk about this quickly. I actually thought that Mason Appleton had quite a bit of jump in the first period today, one of the the Jets guys that were kind of going. But I think one of the considerations at some point, the coaching staff... I mean, last year when Vladislav Nemestikov came to the Jets, his first game was on a line with Lowry and Appleton, right? It was Barron that got bumped down to the fourth line. They went up against McDavid and did a good job. Uh, Nemestikov is a guy that could play up in that third line uh, if if the Jets decided to make a choice. Uh, but then they're going to have to have someone else go to center. That'd have to be maybe Morgan Barron goes to center if, if Appleton goes to the right wing on the fourth. But um, yeah, I mean... 
And I, no, I, I don't think that you, you put Morgan Barron there. Not that he can't do it, but I follow would be a guy that would be up for consideration. But uh, I'm with you. I think the third line right now uh, needs to be one of the driving forces here. We got, we've got injured players coming back on the top line. You have Sean Monahan trying to integrate himself into this new team, which I think he will do uh, effectively. So that means the third line needs to drive in terms of that offensive uh, you know, push. It doesn't have to result in goals all the time, but it has to result in zone time and wearing down the the opposition. So uh, I'm with you. I think that third line needs to get... It, they can have an impact without scoring every night, but they need to be one of the lines that's really driving here in the next All right, while. If, if, if he gets suspended, what are they going to do? You know what? I, I personally, I, I'll be very curious to see what happens. Um, I know a lot... Right now, it's very simple. Um, the Jets only option and and for LB I'm sorry LB if you did not see this during the 10 day break um some I think it was LB that said call it, it's Declan Chisholm time well Declan Chisholm was claimed by the Minnesota Wild on yeah. waivers so it will not be Declan Chisholm time um it will either be Logan Stanley time unless the Jets choose to make a roster move uh, which means it could be Vili Hanala time um, we've reached that point in the show where it's time to say something nice about Vili Hainala. He's played 10 games now with the Manitoba Moose since he has come back from the ankle injury. Uh, I don't have a report on how he's been playing. I know he scored some points early on, but right now, Sean, the door is open. I mean, we know the Jets have been considering, and, and Kevin Dayoff openly talked about it on the day that Sean Monaghan was acquired, that, you know, a lot of people speculating about the Jets making a move on defense. Well, they're going to find out what Vili Hanala is going to do with them before they'd make a move on defense, I would imagine. So the door is open for Vili Hanala to be recalled. That would require the Jets putting Dominic Tony Notto on waivers, most likely, um, much like they did today with Axel Janssen-Fialbi. But these are the options, Sean. Logan Stanley, I don't think, has played. I mean, I'm going to double-check, but I don't think he's played since December something. So, um, Vili Hanel has just played 10 American Hockey League games. Like, you're going to either go to the bullpen for someone who's barely played this year, or you're going to go to the bullpen for somebody who's been playing a lot of minutes and trying to get his way back into the lineup. Now, will the Jets risk losing someone on waivers or make a trade to make that happen? Uh, I'm not sure, but I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, what, what do you think they're going to do? I, I think that right now, personally, if you're considering, you know, putting Hanel in the lineup at some point, I would say that a suspension to De- Brendan Dillon would be a pretty good time to test that out. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, this whole thing about Dominic Toninato, I mean, so when Declan Chisholm, um, um, when Declan Chisholm was put on waivers, to me that was a little bit shocking. Uh, I know there's a lot of people, and I know Dave Manuk's a guy I've talked to a long time about this. That if the Jets were ever going to put him on waivers, he was very, very confident that he'd be claimed. Um, Axel Janssen Vialbi. I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but we know as of late, and we talked about this. For a while there, no matter who the Winnipeg Jets brought up and put into the lineup, whether it was Axel Janssen-Fialbi, whether it was David Gustafson at the beginning of the year, whether it was Dominic Toninato, these players were coming up and they were having a huge impact. 
And I, 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 I'll say it again. One of the reasons that's possible is because it's a very defined system that Rick Bonus is bringing them into. Uh, so they know what their role is. They know how to play that role. And they're surrounded by players that know what they're doing as well. In other words, these players were being put in the best possible scenario for them to show and to succeed. And that's what good coaches do. And that's what was happening with the Winnipeg Jets when that was going on. To me, if you're, you know, kind of playing this game where you're afraid to send a guy like Dominic Toninato down or AJF or, you know, players like that, to me, what, what you're like, the league knows what Dominic Toninato is. He's not, I don't think he's surprising anyone at this stage. I mean, I think people are going to look over and they're going to say, okay, Dominic Toninato is playing some pretty good hockey right now. But are they really going to look over and say, okay, everything that we've known about Dominic Toninato for the what? decade i don't know that he's been in the league a decade but for the years and years and years that he's been in this league scratch it and take the last month of his hockey and let's claim this guy and go right away now i haven't inspected the league and taken a look around and thought maybe there's a team out there that needs a guy that does exactly what dominic tonnado does again i'm not saying he wouldn't get claimed but i don't think you can take a look at this and be like well we can't possibly get by without this player uh, or expect that a guy who has gone up and down for years through waivers in the NHL is suddenly going to get claimed away. You need to start going in the direction you're going. The Winnipeg Jets said at the beginning of the year that Billy Hanlow was going to be one of the players on this hockey team, that he'd made the team. So at this Not stage just that, now, that he'd be in the lineup in the opening night. That he that he'd be in the lineup on opening night. Okay, so if you are going to be the kind of team that says, "Hey, uh, Kyle Connor got injured and he went out, and we found something that worked in, in in the meantime, but we're willing to break up what worked because this guy is, you know, earned this spot. He should get that chance to go back there. If you're going to have that mindset about him, I think in the Rick bonus system where everything is fair and all the rules apply to everybody that you have to have that same mindset. Billy Hanela, uh, it's a, it's a st- at a stage where he shouldn't be waiting to get in the lineup. If he's proved himself, it's now time to reward him for proving him himself. And the only question, regardless of what's happening here right now, is he ready? Is he back up to speed? Right. And if he is, he should be back up with the Winnipeg jets. If he was on their roster on opening night, if he was in the lineup on opening night, he should be back and he should be given a chance. Now, I know T. Will said it before, and I just could not disagree. I'm not disagree. I think T. Will and I both <laughs> want to see Billy Hanlon in the lineup. I just despise, I despise T. Will's assertion that you should bring players up and give them a chance to fail and fail and fail and give them a long runway to stumble and fall all over the place. No, if a guy's ready to come up and take the job, he takes the job. You don't take a guy who's not ready to take the job and say, we're going to sit someone else out who's ready to take the job and going to have this guy stumble his way through, hoping that at some point he figures it out. I hate to say it. That idea to me is ludicrous. So T-Will and I, I think, both agree he should come in, but not for the same reasons. I'm not saying give him – I'm going to say the exact same thing. If the Winnipeg Jets bring in Billy Hanla and he stumbles three or four or five games going into this, like, look what happened. Look at, the, look at how they've held the Winnipeg Jets' defense accountable so far this year. Nate Schmidt has been a pretty good player for a good chunk of the season for this team and found himself out of the lineup – 
And, and the message that was sent when they were doing that was like, there is a competition here and you don't get to have off nights. You don't get to not give us your all. You need to be at the top of your game. That same rule should apply to Vili Hanela. I'm only bringing that up because T. Will says that, but I go back to my original point. This player made the team. He was, he, he give this player his due. If he's, got his legs underneath him at the AHL level. I don't care what you have to do. At some point, you have to decide who the horses are that you're running with. Billy Hanel, if you're running with him in the future, yeah, maybe you don't want to have another guy claimed, but get people out of the way so the people who have been proving and pushing towards your future can get in and continue pushing there. It's time for Billy Hanel to do that based on what he proved in training camp and that he, at that time, him proving that he was ready to be with the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. And just quickly to tie up the loose end on Logan Stanley, he hasn't played since December 12th. So, I mean, Hanel has played 10 games in the last whatever time since he's been back after he was activated. So, I'm all for players learning and being able to be up against NHL competition. But right now, the player who's most ready to jump in the lineup would appear to be Vili Hanela, uh, based on his ability to play, you know, no 20 doubt. minutes a night right now in the American Hockey League. And just a quick thing. I mean, we're okay. not sure, um, you know, whether or not Axel Janssen Fjellby will be claimed tomorrow. I mean, that's, we'll see. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, he has, he brings speed to the lineup. Yes. But right now he's not killing penalties very often for the Jets. Hasn't provided a ton of offense. He did a nice job of, you know, a plug and play player. He's a depth player, but for folks going crazy about waivers. Now, do I think the Jets should have risked putting Declan Chisholm on before um, a couple of those forwards? Not personally, but the Jets dressed Sean Monahan today, Sean, in his debut with the Jets. He was the 16th forward to be in the lineup. When Vili Hanela plays for the Jets, whenever that is, whether it's Thursday, Saturday, or somewhere down the road, he will be the ninth defenseman to suit up for the Jets. The Jets also have an AHL All-Star in Kyle Capabianco that they have on the depth chart. So I'm guessing that was a consideration when they risked and eventually lost Declan Chisholm off waivers. But I'm with you. I, I think that if Hanela as long as Hanela is up to speed in terms of his conditioning after playing 10 games, coming back from a very tough injury, Hanela should be under consideration. And Sean, for the folks who are for the folks who said Hanela should go down for one or two games and then play, this is what I was talking about months ago. You need a long stretch of games coming back from a, from an ankle injury like the one that he had, but 10 games, I would say is a significant amount of time out. I think they have to consider it. I mean, especially when you consider what's going on in the power play, you have to consider Hanel as, as an option to potentially be on that power play unit. And, you know, in terms of exits and a lot of the things that he does well, uh, he can help. Does that mean their defense core is undersized for the time being until Dylan's back if he is suspended? Yes, that's true. But it's a short-term thing. And I'm with you. Villy doesn't need to be given 10 games at the NHL level. He'll show you in the first stretch of games if he's ready. And if he is, he may push someone else out of the lineup. If he's not, then they consider sending him back to the moose or see what happens. Maybe he's a trade trade chip or whatever else. But right now the door appears to be open and we'll see if that's the choice the Jets make or not. Um, okay. I mean, we, he might be gone, B. Henderson. But I mean, 
the Jets are replacing Axel Janssen Fialbi as they're of talking this, about Axel Janssen Fialbi. Yeah, as of this moment, is the fifteenth or sixteenth forward on the Jets depth chart. You are replacing him with Sean Monahan, who is potent. He's in the top six, so he's got to be among the top six or seven forwards. So that's a trade you make every single day, in my humble opinion. Um, okay, we got to do a couple things uh, before we get moving on here. I wanted to just give it, you touched on it, give a shout out. I thought the fourth line looked great. Like the, the one thing, let's just go back to Vladi Domestikov, a guy who just, no matter where you put him, shines for this team. Uh, I think if you're looking on the positive side of things, you walk away from this and you think that's potentially our fourth line right now. That's what we get to trot out in the playoffs. And I, I'll be honest, I don't think the Jets are done with trade deadline acquisitions uh, because of the Sean Monaghan, we should quickly touch on that, but the Sean Monaghan trade, which does not put them in in a bad spot financially at all, leaves them with lots and lots of space to make moves. I like the Monaghan, I like the face-offs, I like, uh, like I was saying, the idea of he's come across... Um, uh, He's, again, he's not a point-per-game guy with the Montreal Canadiens. I think he comes to a higher-octane team, although they aren't showing it right now, uh, and find the right fits for him. I think he can start approaching being a point-per-game player. I, I don't think that that's out of out of the, the loop here, but that fourth line, I thought, uh, was really good tonight. I expect it to be really good going forward, and I think that really paid off to put those players together and ha- and making the kind of moves that get you a Vladi Nemesnikov on the fourth line. Uh, I go back to my original Rasmus Kapari take at the beginning of the year. Um, great legs. Uh, he's good at disrupting play. Uh, maybe that's all you want in a fourth line, but there's no one who can tell me he brings as much to the table as a fourth line center as Vladimir Domestikov. So moving him there, I think really pays off. And if you're looking to pay off high interest credit cards or debt, we suggest you go talk to our friends at Cambrian Credit Union about their payoff loan. They can show you how taking out a loan to pay off your debt actually gets you debt free faster and you can save thousands of dollars. Go to cambrian.mb.ca to book an appointment online. Okay, Ken, we got to get rolling uh, with this kind of stuff, but I, I, I have to have this conversation quick just before we get going here. Um, people are saying it's no big deal that this slide is happening, and maybe it's not. And I, I'm a big believer. Again, you can't be on top of your game for 82 games in a season. The Jets, I thought, were on top or near the top of their game for an, inor- an inordinate amount of time from the beginning of the year until a couple of weeks back in January. So I, I don't think that this is a panic, but what has happened here over the last little while, the Jets used to have a pretty decent pad on the Dallas Stars. Uh, that's gone right now. Now, the good news is the Jets have games in hand on both the Dallas Stars and Colorado Avalanche, and if they win those games in hand, they end up ahead of those teams. The bad news is the Dallas Stars have pulled ahead in points percentage. So if you're talking about the evenness of this race, the Jets are in the smack dab in the middle of a race for first place again. Now, why is that important? Well, if you take a look at how things are shaking down in the uh, in the Western Conference, the Dallas Stars, who I've said, uh, I think MB uh, ball hockey will will love me bringing this up. I think the <laughs> Dallas Stars are the real deal. The Colorado Avalanche, I, I again, I'm not 
overly worried about them unless they go and they find a second line center going down the stretch here. Uh, but uh, they're a team I worry more about, you know, certain other teams. The Vancouver Canucks, Vegas Golden Knights, Edmonton Oilers look like they're going to probably be pretty locked up as the top three on the other side, which means what you're trying to do is you're trying to finish first because the reward for you right now is either a Los Angeles Kings team that is lost, has made a coaching change. We don't know what they're going to look like, but they are clearly in a downward spiral in a tailspin. We don't know if they'll find their way out of there. Or the St. Louis Blues, a team that the Winnipeg Jets absolutely own as of late. Or the Nashville Predators, a team that has struggled as of late. The list goes on. Maybe it's the Seattle Kraken. Maybe it's the Calgary Flames. Maybe the Arizona Coyotes sneak in there. But your reward for finishing first in your division is a massive reward. It means you're not playing one of the or the other of the Dallas Stars or Colorado Avalanche, and you're playing two teams that I think probably uh, are going to be two of the weaker teams in the playoffs this year. So the importance of first place, I think, counts this year, and it counts in an absolutely massive manner because unless... The LA Kings can figure things out and and become the team that they've been in the past heading into the playoffs. I don't see a dangerous opponent sneaking up there in seven and eight. I think you got to throw everything that you can to get into first place because it's a lot better off going through the Nashville Predators and then either the Dallas Stars or Colorado Avalanche than it is having to go through both the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars. That's playing Russian roulette if you're going to go down that road. Yeah, I mean, if a team wants to win 16 playoff games to get to the top of the mountain, they're going to have to beat a ton of teams, but I'm with you. I mean, it's a way easier path, and the Jets know this from the year that they went to the conference final. Um, You know, the Minnesota Wild were a tough opponent, but, you know, being able to wait until the second round to play the President's Trophy winner was a huge difference for them that year, and it would be the same uh, this year with both, I mean, uh, the Avalanche just added Zach Parise. We'll see how he fits in. He made his debut here. Uh, and sorry, just to go back, the Flyers did beat the Panthers today 2-1, to one, yeah. so they'll be feeling good about themselves. They just snapped a, a long losing skid going into Thursday. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Jets are, you know, they want to be. Uh, no, no, there's talk that he could play a little bit in the playoffs. N- not likely. Like not Landis Gog being likely to be back for the playoffs wouldn't be the start of the playoffs but it's not the reports that he will likely be back for the playoffs no they were hoping that maybe the second likely likely is very 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 strong yeah very very strong anyway we got to get to our business uh johnson group got you covered play of the game what do you got yeah really good play i mean it it seems like a nothing burger in the in the in the big picture or in the small picture but in the big picture sean uh you know, we were talking earlier about Mark Shifley's play on Sidney Crosby in the first period where, you know, we talked about the head-to-head matchup, and I think that was a kind of a nice honorable mention. But late in the game, Josh Morrissey, Jets are down 3 nothing. He makes an incredibly hard back check on someone at a time where, you know, some other players on some other teams might have been just mailing it in. Uh, on a night where the Jets rolled, had to roll five defensemen for the third game in a row, essentially. Uh, there's Josh Morrissey making a really smart stick check along the boards and, um, you know, I just thought it was really emblematic of what the what the award stands for. Um, I thought uh, again, it was Josh Morrissey um, on the back check uh, with what three minutes left in the game or something yeah. like that, two on one. And I 
think it's Jay. Is it Jake Gensel? I think it was Gensel. That he yeah. catches. Uh, but you could just see it coming the whole way. And, and the thing about this that is subtle is not only does he get back in that chase position, but he does so in a way where Jake Gensel doesn't see him coming. Right, like that—that's a skill. Hiding yourself in the rearview mirror, like that's basically what he does. Is he—he's chasing a car down the highway, and he positions himself perfectly in the blind spot so that it, you know Jake Gensel doesn't see it coming. And that's why when the stick lift happens, it's one of those plays where Gensel's not throwing out his shoulder trying to block against the player. He's not, you know, strong on his stick because he has no idea that Josh Morrissey's right there. So this is, it may just look like a guy getting on his horse and getting back and breaking up a play. It's more than that. It's using his smarts and using his body position to put himself in a play in a position where not only can he break up the play, but he can do it in a way that the player is almost defensive, defenseless because he has no idea that he's coming. Anyways, for me, that's my Johnson group got you covered play at the game we'd like to hear yours and we also want to know do you run a small business in canada because if you do you should look to canada's number one employee benefits plan chambers plan to give you a competitive edge chambers plan is the simple stable smart choice for over thirty thousand businesses countrywide visit chamberplan.ca to learn more ken your keg save of the game yeah i think for me i think it's the 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 uh, tristan jari stop on adam lowry and tight um, and again, honorable mention maybe to the uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, video coach, but uh, who, who who caught the offside on Gabriel Velarde on the entry from Kyle Connor on the uh, Mark Shifley wiped out goal uh, on the successful coach's challenge. Uh, but yeah, I like that save that he made off of uh, off of Lowry. I know some people thought maybe he should have gone to the backhand there, but I just thought that he he was he got the puck kind of in speed, and I didn't think he had a ton of time. Um, Jari just, just played it well. Um, I, I'd hand it to, uh, I, I mean, I didn't think that he was overly challenged this, on this night. I don't think Connor Hellebuck was either. Uh, I give him the toe save on the Evgeny Malkin wraparound is probably my keg save of the game. This is one of those nights where not a lot really stood out to me. So I'm kind of trying to pick out that. I mean, I don't think that wins for keg save of the game on almost any other night of the season but i think it does on this night just because again i'm not buying i'm not buying the 13 to 10 high danger chances this is not a game that i saw that what's that sorry i actually like the the jarry poke check on shifley at the end of the first period was was another really good save as an honorable mention Shifley, by the way, we should say I thought uh, he and uh, Josh Morrissey were the Jets' best players on this night, and I don't think it was close. I thought Shifley started a little slow in the first and then got better and better as the game went on. Good to see him back up and running like that. But anyways, that's our keg save of the game. doesn't matter. We want to hear yours because if you share with us your keg save of the game, you're automatically entered to win a $50 gift certificate to be used at any of the three fine keg locations here in the city of Winnipeg, each location fine at last and the winner of our last one way way back when yeah i was in ottawa for that one uh coming off that game but the winner of that is king kenny king kenny great name uh you have won a 50 dollars gift certificate to the keg but only if you direct message me at sn sean reynolds send me your full name and an email and i will have them send you a 50 dollars gift certificate certificate usable at any of the three fine keg locations in the city of winnipeg each location finer than the last and moving on ken what do you got for your trans canada brewing company lamp later of the game yeah you know what i i love the oops sorry a little early on that one uh love the you know the end result of the 
three-way power, the three-way passing play, Crosby kind of, you know, off the tail of the stair, the toe of the stick to Gensel to the Brian Rust for the tap in. But uh, I think it's the it's for me. It's got to be the second goal because it's it's emblematic of of how the game quickly turned um, in terms of you know the Jeff Carter goal I'm going to choose just because of how how much of a backbreaker it was in the game where you had the you know the call that you know the the match penalty call you know <laughs> can the Jets kill it off will they will they not. Uh, they get to you know minute twenty seven left, or I think what I think it was a minute twenty seven when Carter scored, um, and then they get the third one that kind of ends up being a bit of a backbreaker. But I thought that the Jeff Carter goal it came on the heels of the Jets starting pretty well to start the second period, uh, and then they you know the two power play goals and it was basically lights out to, for the Jets. The Penguins power play has been horrendous this year second last to the Blackhawks. They were mired in a one for 24 stretch and they scored twice in the game. Now two nice bounces for them, but they scored the goals and that's essentially uh, what matters. So I'm going to go with the Jeff Carter goal, uh, even though, you know, it wasn't as pretty because it bounced off someone in front and lands on his stick. But I just think that Carter getting to the front of the net and, you know, lighting the lamp on the power play, um, the first of two for the Penguins was was a backbreaker for the Jets, so that's why I'm going with the better goal. I'm going to be a little self-indulgent here and address the many comments about my apparent sunburn in here. It's the lighting in here, folks. This is a perfect, <laughs> a perfect shade of tan, I will have you know. Well uh, you can check it out on Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada, when the Penguins right. play the Jets. Uh, we'll, I will debut it back home at that time, believe me. It's like there was this great episode of And my Cheers lighting is off, where, too, yep. I got a nice. Yeah, tan, exactly. So it's not orange. Yeah, we we have great tans. <laughs> it's lighting, people. You gotta you gotta know TV to know these people out there who know TV are just sitting there marveling at our tans right now, Ken, because they can see through the lighting that's happening here. Anyway, um, I Rob Mahoney says they need to get rid of that blue line penalty if the linesmen don't catch it and play goes on ten plus seconds. Let it stand. Uh, people know my feeling on this. I do not want to see any replay other than whether or not the puck cross the line i think this is ridiculous how we keep going and trying to pick apart inches on plays like this the entire history of the game has been predicated on goals that have been scored on tiny little just over the line offsides. i don't think they make that big of a difference i hate when goals are taken back for this kind of stuff so because of that i'm going to live in that alternate universe that shangri-la that i wish i lived in and say that play that josh morrissey made to steal the puck off of Eric Carlson and get it to Mark Shifley for the goal that was called back to me as the lamplighter of the game. Because in that moment, I dare anyone in the hockey world to take a look at those two players and never mind the games that both of them played tonight and say one of those players was the best defenseman in the NHL last year. Like to me, it is not a, like a, it's not even close to a question for any team in this league, who would you rather have on your blue line? If Hey, if everyone's throwing their sticks in the middle of the ice and picking teams and Eric Carlson and Josh Morrissey are out there, the captains are keeping a close eye on what color Josh Morrissey's stick was and they're grabbing <laughs> it before they grab Eric Carlson's, no doubt. Anyways, that's our uh, lamplighters of the game. Uh, we want to know what your lamplighter <laughs> excuse me, of the game is. Uh, so make sure you send that to us. Uh, and if you do send that to us, we will send you a voucher 
culture for your very own frosty, delicious eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. Brought to you by our friends at TransCanner Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to gift you your eight-pack, you can head on down to TransCanner Brewing Company and join them in their tap room at 1-1290 Keniston, where we will be having our next K&R event, which is the 19th of February. That is fast, fast approaching. Buddy. So, folks... Time to get out. Time to have a conversation. We're talking about doing the roundtable afterwards. If you want to be part of Kenny and Rennie's Knights Roundtable, Knights and and uh, Knights S. I, I don't know what a female knight is called. I think they're just knights. So Knights Roundtable, come on out. Here's the Eventbrite uh, co- code to head to. Um, and, uh, yeah, we would love to see you there. Get like your tickets. Says right here. Down there. there you go. Waiters Here's, has it. Yeah, your get ticket your says waiters who was there last time and makes it to so many of these things. Waiter's an absolute massive supporter of, of KNR, of WST, of a, a lot of the other podcasts in town. He is, he's the kind of guy that make, make us tick. No doubt. Uh, Hey, before we go, I got to say, we got to hash this out. I hate, I hate that Rick bonus did not pull the goalie in this game. I, it is, it drives me absolutely crazy. And I'll tell you why, Ken, I know that you disagree with me on this. You didn't think it was necessary. I don't strongly disagree, but I disagree. I strongly, I, to, to me, this goes against everything that should have been done in this situation. It doesn't matter if you lose four, nothing or five, nothing. None of that matters. This is a team that's trying to get its offense going and you don't give them the opportunity to get out and try and like I, I don't care if they lose seven one, but they get that one goal with the empty net the, with the goaltender pulled. I to me, this is just goes against everything that should have been done in this situation. I think it shows a lack of faith in your players in this game here. To, sorry, I I don't want to get to, sorry that, that to me that's too much. I don't want to say that Rick Bonus was showing a lack of faith in his players. I think he just thought they didn't have it there tonight. I think it's the wrong way to go about this. This team needs a goal. It needs some confidence, and we've seen this before. Sometimes a player can go out and get that one goal, and it could lead to something big going down the stretch. Uh, the Jets needed a reason to feel good on offense tonight, and there was an opportunity to do it in a situation that it did not matter if the puck went, ended up in the back of your net. And if it had anything to do with the old idea of the Jets have allowed three goals or less in a certain amount of games, then that would just be stupid. Play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Get these guys back scoring and on the board. Get some good feelings going in. And the best way to do that would have been to pull the goaltender with five or maybe even six minutes minutes left to try and get them back into that game again i don't care if they lose 5-1 7-1 8-1 if they get a goal in that situation i think it's worth it yeah fair I, fair enough i mean i don't think the jets had a ton of time where they had control but yeah i mean if you're going to try to roll it kevin o uh, who we will see on thursday sean the jets are better five on five than with the extra skater and i don't think that was the reason uh, rick bonus did it and, and to your point sean i mean we know that rick didn't not pull the goalie because of the four goals or fewer. I mean, he did it against Boston, right? I mean, so we know that that didn't play into his mindset then, and I'm sure it didn't. It now, better it? not have because of these well, people here who been? think if Stan Stan Zilla Mall thinks that he's making a great point here, saying the Jets are great with the man advantage. You're right, Sean, mocking the idea that the Jets should put an extra guy on the ice. Well, then why stop doing the right things? Why stop doing the things that make it like rather than trying to fix the problem, let's bow down and buckle down to the problem. That's a a ridiculous assertion to say that the Jets 
need to pull out the ability to try and score their way back into the game with an empty net goal. That's not even anything I touched on. The idea that a team needs to work on trying to score an empty net goal and putting six on five on the ice, if anything, to practice that situation in a real game situation. They may need it down the stretch here. So to me, this is, I was baffled. I was baffled that they didn't go down there. I don't know what the answer was. I don't think he was asked the question. But to me, this was, this is not how, like the Jets and Rick Bonus, for the most part, have played the game the right way and do the right things. Like, again, if we go back to them pulling the goalie and getting scored on and it ended the, you know, they got that fourth goal scored on and it, it ended that streak just shy of the modern day record. If, if you're not doing it in, if you're not, keeping your goalie in in that situation, then why not do it here tonight? I, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled as to why they didn't do this. The Jets need to get a good feeling. They need to put some pucks in the net. They needed to give themselves the best opportunity to do that and putting the extra player out on the ice for six on five for an extended number of minutes was their best opportunity at doing it at, the, at a time where it didn't matter if they got scored on towards the end. I don't know. Maybe they're sitting there and they're looking at things right now and they're seeing that they're the number one team in the league with goals against and maybe they're protecting that stat. Is it more important to protect a stat or is it more important to do the right thing to win hockey games? I think on this night tonight, they didn't do what the best thing was for this team to go forward and try and win hockey games. Yeah, I mean, I just would say I think if it was a 2 nothing game, they would have done it for sure. So maybe that means they should have done it 3 nothing also. I mean, the they're, they're trying to get a good feeling going. I mean, that that makes sense to me but uh it does it's not riling me up the same way as it is you, but that I like the intensity. Totally. I like the intensity. Yeah. I like Dom, Dom, it, it bothers Dom Zappia, who says, Sean, seriously, you're that upset. Ha ha. I'm sorry to have offended you, Dom. Uh, but yeah, it, the, playing the game the right way is something that's important to me. Having watched a team that quite often didn't play the game the right way for a long time and it caught up and bit them in the butt. So uh, I'll continue to push for them to play the game the right way as much as it bothers some of you. Anyways, that's it for us. Uh, next time I will see everybody will be uh, on the television for Hockey Night in Canada uh, for that Jets game. Uh, I will be, unfortunately, on the plane and will not be able to make an appearance on the next K&R show. But as Ken said, uh, big Kevin O is going to have you covered. He's going to hop into the pilot seat and uh, struggle with this guy over here for the entirety of the struggle. show. Uh, I, th- yeah, I, I, th- I think they'll, they'll, they'll those two be like they'll be like the two muscular arms meme where they're like given one of those whereas with him and i it's like that but uh thanks for kevin o for coming in and doing that uh hope it's a good one for you guys enjoy oh sorry uh, hang on you didn't announce who won the lamplighter here oh oh i didn't yeah okay and that would be uh lamplighter was uh at winnipeg gabe vivaldi not gabe velardi gabe vivaldi who was leaving comments in here earlier on so at winnipeg yeah. gabe vivaldi, great name. direct message me at sn sean reynolds send me your full name send me your email address and i will send you a voucher for your very own frosty delicious eight pack of lamplighter amber ale brought to you by our friends at transcanda brewing company nectar of the gods thank you everyone for tuning in i know a lot of you have a hard time with the losses but i we appreciate everybody who showed up uh, and i want to say this before we go uh, thank you very, very much uh, uh, to our sponsors. And I just want to say, if you appreciate the conversations going on in this space, please, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep the conversation going in this space for us. That's the Vittorio Rossi, Cambrian Credit Union, the Johnson Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs, Pristine Roofing, Sweet Lou Furlan, the keg, and of course, Transcanna Brewing Company. Thank you to them. Thank you to you all. Thank you to you, Ken. 
We will. I will see Safe you next Saturday. Ken will see you on Thursday. Bye now, everybody.